Welcome to episode 122 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. I am Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And as you can tell from the palpable excitement in Cameron's voice, we're still talking Zeta this week. Chris. This is episode two of 13 of our <laughs> Zeta coverage. This is going to be so hard. Look, they're not great. No. but No, they're not. I, I am. How did this get a second season? I've heard the second season gets better. Uh, but I, I mean, they, they literally can only go up. Yeah. I think these might be the worst two episodes we've seen in the entirety of the uh, universe. Look, I have, hard, I have a hard time disagreeing with that. Yeah. Worse than Amnesia Batman. Worse than uh, Swamp, not Swamp Thing, uh, Sewer Boy, the, the Sewer Rat King. Worse than the, the Underdwellers. Th- yeah. Worse than the three. Worse than Unity from Unity. Superman. Worse than the Promethean. Yeah. These were so bad. Look, they're they're not spectacular. No. But we are going to do our damnedest to try and find things to talk about that isn't just this, us this shitting all over the affecting show. Affecting my personal life and <laughs> how bad these are. You you do look extra tired it, this morning. It hurts. It's, it's like there's death in your eyes. Yeah. You're just looking to the future and hoping it's your I own death. I watched a kid almost kill someone. And not feel bad about it. Let's also clarify that was on the cartoon and not something you encountered in the real world. I mean, it <laughs> could also. I mean, here. it is brunch hour right now. It could very well be something I've seen in, in in Hollywood. That's true. Brunch hour in Los Angeles is like walking through a zombie apocalypse. It's it, it's a nightmare waiting to happen. Yeah, I can't do anything without my first mimosa. <laughs> uh, like, I don't even talk to me. I'm just gonna park my car in the middle of the street, taking up all three lanes. Because I need alcohol in my system right now at 10.55 in the morning. Well, to be fair, because they're still possibly drunk from the night before. Yeah, that's true. I mean, haven't you ever still been drunk in the morning? The no. morning after? No? No. Oh. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I have been a number of times. Yes. Uh, well, at least neither of us were hungover. We had to go watch these episodes this oh morning. I feel hungover right Just now. Just from having done it. Just from watching these episodes. Okay. Well, let's luck- talk about news. Let's, yeah, let's say, go, let's luckily, uh, there, there is a world existing outside of the Zeta projects. We got, we got a little bit of news. Uh, did you watch the Pennyworth trailer? I did. What did you think? I think it's a, it looks like a fine show, uh, that didn't need the Pennyworth or Wayne name in it in the first no. place. I think it would have been a great show if it was just like, uh, you know, a post-war uh, soldier survives and becomes a security guard slash butler. Sounds like a great premise. Yeah. And I feel like they're going to have to shoehorn in all of this unnecessary extra stuff now because now it's Alfred Pennyworth and uh, Thomas Wayne. I would agree with that. Yeah. It, it looks decent but i'm still not interested i'll i'll give it like three episodes i mean i don't even have epics who, oh yeah neither who, do i who has i epics? forgot it's on that like nobody no nobody has that network it is that part of a bundle of any kind oh, it's probably yeah you can probably get it as because i don't bundle. think it's like connected to hbo at all it's not connected to no, showtime at all i don't know who their parent company is um Birds are on full force this morning. Oh god! Yeah, it doesn't look particularly. (laughs) Do you want to make you a mimosa? No, actually, I don't have champagne. I've got wine. Oh, good. And tequila. To mix that together, I can make you a blended margarita this morning. 
I'm okay. It's, it's uh, like it's like a smoothie, but fun. <laughs> it's a party smoothie. Yeah. Uh, they're owned by MGM. Shit. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And MGM doesn't have a streaming service. No. Great. No, they don't. <laughs> yeah. It. Look, from what I've heard, they're going to deliberately exclude Batman villains. They don't want to rehash, say, like what Gotham did, which is all these proto versions of Batman villains. Mm -hmm. What I've heard instead is that it's going to feature them going up against classic literary characters. Amazing. I I feel like I heard something about a Jack the Ripper involvement maybe somewhere in there. Great. I don't know. Based off the trailer, I know that Jason Fleming is the the villain. I do love me some Jason Fleming, but he just looked like he was playing some generic. I mean, if they, if they really want to do the Batman thing, we know that all villains, all Batman villains had really shitty parents. Yeah. Why not just show the really shitty Shitty parents? parents? I mean, that's what they did in Gotham. There was like, I think the Scarecrow was the Scarecrow's dad. And I feel like there's a few more of those. Fucking sucked. A few more. But okay, what if they did this? Okay. Because, you know, based off the trailer, Fleming's got some sort of like ornate, like royal esque coat going on, Mm -hmm. like gown, cape, whatever thing. What if this was them going up against. The Royal Flush Gang. I was really hoping you were going to say that, because I agree. I think that'd be great. I, th- I think that's one villain you could absolutely get away with, because mm-hmm. that's a, a legacy series of villains. They've gone through history. They've had multiple iterations. They're yeah. very British. Incredibly. Yeah. I, I think that could be kind you of You could do them, and then you could do the immortal villains. We can get a Vandal Savage pop-up. Uh, I mean, I guess it depends on how over the top they're going to go, though. That's true. I mean, but he, he can just be like a rival billionaire for Thomas. That's true. And like you don't even have to go into him being immortal. Just he's just a rival guy who is just so business savvy. Yeah. Because he knows everything already. And you could tease at the idea that maybe he's got some sort of like immortality thing going on, like just hinted that a little bit without having to go full tilt. Yeah. So I mean I, I know that could be kind of interesting. Okay. If it's revealed at some point during the course of the show, which I'm not intending to watch, that that is in fact the Royal Flush Gang. And if it's Early on in the run, like within the first few episodes, not towards the end, it's like, hey, big twist, the Royal Flush Gang. Yeah. I would consider trying to track it down and watching it. Mm-hmm. Again, I still don't know how because it's on Epix. Hold on. Does, uh, let's, let's Google this real quick. Does Epix have a streaming service? I mean, they probably have their own dedicated oh, I'm streaming sure. app you could pay for. But for I'm, like all four shows on Epix. Yeah. I feel like they had one other show. Oh, it was the... Um, the Patrick Stewart show that was on for a couple seasons. Oh, I think where, that was uh, Monica was on it. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah our yeah, former yeah. improv teacher, Monica, mm-hmm. uh, was had a role in it. That show looked really good. Mm-hmm. I never heard much about it, but I it, wanted to it watch it. It got like two or three seasons. Yeah. But again, it was on Epic. So I was just like, mm. yeah, it was kind of like Patrick Stewart playing a character in the vein of like a Larry King. If Larry King was more like Hank Moody from Californication. Sure. That seemed to be the general concept i feel like i don't know if he was quite as hard partying and womanizing but i don't know i mean whatever maybe okay. entertaining uh it's loosely attached to amazon prime but it's it's still five it's still six dollars a month nope hard pass yeah yep not worth it uh okay so there was a little bit of other news this week well okay let's go with one actual bit of news and then we'll do some rumors here uh, so the one actual bit of news is that uh, Tom King, writer of 
the Batman comics, mm-hmm. uh, is going to be introducing in January of 2020 Phantasm into the mainstream Ooh. DC comics. Yeah, he just teased a, uh, a photo of it up on Twitter. Um, it's So it's going to be part of the uh, Batman Catwoman um, title. I think it's like a 15-issue arc he's going to do between the two of them. And it's going to be some Phantasm in there. We don't nice. really know Has Phantasm been in that. comics before? No. Wow. Yeah, Phantasm has never been outside the DCAU. So this uh, could be quite exciting. Could be quite cool. Yeah. I've heard mixed things about his run on Batman. Um, Because I've heard that his Vision comics are great. I've heard that his Mr. Miracle comics are great. Did he do the Vision series where he's trying to like be a like a stay at home dad? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he did that because I love those. Yeah, I've heard the covers are so funny. Yeah, I've heard really good things about those uh, those runs, and I'd heard that his Batman run starts out really really good, and that maybe it's kind of faltered. uh, What kind of like storyline it was? Um, I know there was some stuff early on with him being like super super depressed. And yeah. I think there was like a, maybe a suicide attempt in there somewhere in his part when he was younger. And then he also wrote the uh, the wedding between Batman and Catwoman that never actually came to be. Mm-hmm. And I think people actually really liked that run, but maybe not have them actually get married was a bit of a disappointment for people. And maybe it, it kind of drew some fans away from the comic. I'm not sure. Okay. I'm pulling up his... Uh... But his resume. Real I quick. mean, he seems to be a pretty damn good writer, and you know, I love me some phantasms. Bring on some phantasm. Yeah, I mean, anything more with Andrea would be great. Yeah, and it'd be interesting to see what role oh, he did the Grayson she plays. run. Oh, did he? Yeah, he did the the big bootylicious Grayson. Oh, I've heard that's a good run. Mm-hmm. That's I was actually gonna sit down and read that soon because it's uh, it's all up in the DC universe. It is rather conveniently. Um, yeah, he did be a big Mister Miracle run. And then Omega he's also been Man. tapped now to co-write New Gods with uh, Ava DuVernay, which would be interesting. Uh, book or movie? The movie. Okay. Sweet. Well, it's it's Ava DuVernay. She's a filmmaker. Well, I don't. I'm sorry, Chris. <laughs> I have a lot of my. I have a lot <laughs> occupying my brain space right now. Mostly how much you hated Zeta. Mostly how much I hated Zeta. <laughs> well, we'll get to it. Uh, okay. So the rumors this week, though, is we may have. Got some rumblings of who the villains in The Batman are going to be. So Ooh. what Batman villains are going to go up against our boy Robert Pattinson, is it a, a, uh, Bats? Is it uh, past film critics? <laughs> <laughs> the biggest villain of them all? He's going up against all the people that were just thrashing yeah. against Twilight. Is I it, mean, uh, let's, let's be honest who the heroes are in that situation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is it... Would they be... Would they be... Uh, not what, what's the word insightful enough to use dracula as a villain in this no <laughs> batman versus dracula we've gotten that i know we have as that's an animated, as an animated yeah. movie i mean would you actually want to see that done in live action it'd be so funny it'd be so terrible it'd be i mean yeah if, if we could get a fan to cut like a a minute long trailer for that though i don't need the whole movie i just want okay i so, just want the joke out there okay so we're gonna someone's gonna cut together a fan trailer of batman versus dracula which batman which dracula oh our pat's batman okay our pat's dracula <laughs> he's not dracula though. he's i know our pat's edward <laughs> what i mean it's fine yes uh let's see what other bad villains could they use for this see i would have it be uh the Adam West Batman going up against 
Leslie Nielsen's Dracula from Dracula Dead and Loving It. Perfect. Which I have seen, I think, 10 minutes of once on TV, and I could not figure out what the hell that movie was because IMDb did not yet exist. Great. <laughs> this was many years ago. Uh, so who, who are the real villains rumored? Okay, so uh, some ones you'd expect, possibly, some of the bigger names. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's talk about Catwoman and Penguin mm-hmm. being in there. That this version of Penguin would probably be more along the lines of a uh, like a kingpin sort of things, so maybe more yeah. like new Batman Adventures style. Um, and Josh Gad has been like seems Ooh. to be like pushing rumors on his own part about this for a long time. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what might happen. That could be an interesting choice, actually. We'll see what might happen. Um, Two Face. He doesn't have like the the mob mentality of a of a penguin. I mean. I think he could do it. I think there could be something interesting there. Like, he's kind of an offbeat choice, but oftentimes that's worked well for them. That's true. Because, I mean, he can do comedy, and we've always established that if you can do comedy, you can do kind of more heavy drama. Um, And I could see him playing the Penguin in a way where he's kind of always trying to be sort of like charming and laugh, like affable and easygoing, but has a very short fuse and just go like goes psycho crazy and gets really pissed off about stuff. Yeah. I could see him doing that really well. Can I, can I throw out a, a weird name for penguin option? Please. Uh, Jordan Peele. Okay. Cause I feel like now, especially that he knows both comedy and horror. Yeah. I feel like going off of that, like short fuse idea, mm-hmm. I feel like he could really, it's like, no, I, I mean, we've never seen him. I mean, we've never seen Josh Gad angry. Yeah. But I feel like okay. just always having that smile. Interesting choice. So I like the idea of Jordan Peele playing a Batman villain, but mm-hmm. would you want to be Penguin? Or no, you... I, I just, I was thinking, uh, yeah, I want him as a villain. And we were already talking about Penguin. Okay, but I'm trying to think who he could do really well. Hmm. I could see him doing, I could see him doing a good Riddler. Yeah. Potentially. Uh, Clock King. Oh, he's got that like very yeah. monotone thing down. Yeah, if you went for the like the DCAU version of Clock King, that'd mm-hmm. be really good. Ooh, um, probably on that same point, Calendar Man. Calendar Man, yeah. Ooh, mm-hmm. actually, he'd be a really good Calendar Man. Yeah, yeah. This is just kind of like Tick weird, Mister Wayne. <laughs> Jason Manzukis. Yeah, <laughs> the Calendar King. Yes, it's the Clock King. I, I'd be all on board for it. Um, also, Manzukis, great penguin. Yes, I mean, just can't. Yeah, cast Manzukis as ever. Apparently, anyone can play the penguin. Yeah. <laughs> so but this weird. Was a, they're they're casting our Pats also as the penguin. That's very. That's oh, an interesting choice. Playing every single role. They're they're doing it. an Eddie Murphy situation. Yeah, the clumps. Yeah, I'd watch it. Uh, but so what's interesting is because they're talking about not only Catwoman and Penguin together, but also potentially Two Face and the Riddler. Oh, back again. Great. So they haven't learned any lessons from movies prior. No. Uh, and there's also talk about potentially Mad Hatter. I think Mad Hatter would be great. And Firefly. Firefly is is okay. I think Mad Hatter. I I, I would put him as front runner because I think if you infuse kind of really interesting technology into this, you could make a great mystery movie. Yeah, because that's the rumors that's going to be kind of a, a neo noir. Maybe there's like a murder mystery at the the center of all of this and it involves all these villains. Yeah. So I don't want them all though. God, not well, in the first one. So this is kind of a weird pitch, but maybe it could be something 
like, hey, what if we start with Spider-Man 3 <laughs> and then just work our way up from there? I mean, we've had movies just packed full of villains, right? Mm-hmm. They just take on different capacities. So you look at even Batman Begins, you get Ra's al Ghul, Scarecrow, Carmine Falcone, and Mr. Zaz. Mm-hmm. That's actually the most of any Batman movie so far. Zaz was in the first? Yeah. Very minor role, but he's there. Okay. Right? So you could, you could have all these people there, maybe there's like playing at least smaller roles. Mm-hmm. So, but what if it's kind of like Dark Victory? Have you read that? No. You've read The Long Halloween? No. I know, I know. Okay. It's been like 60 episodes since you brought this up. But God no, yeah, I you thought I'd forget. <laughs> I did. Guess what? It's back. Okay. So The Long Halloween is the story that the Dark Knight adapted when doing the Two-Face arc. Yes. So the idea is that there is a killer called um, Holiday mm-hmm. who is killing mob bosses on Holidays obviously. And then ultimately it ties in a whole bunch of the villains and it ties in uh, Harvey Dent Two-Face. Yeah. Dark Victory is a follow-up to that where it's someone is killing off a whole bunch of cops. So I actually realized that what I meant to say is maybe they're doing an adaptation of Long Halloween. Like maybe what's happening is someone is murdering villains and that's why they're all present in some capacity, mm-hmm. which could be an interesting way of doing it. It's a good way to bring in a whole bunch of the villains without actually having them with full-on villainous plots. Yes. Like, Batman is kind of having to save them. His mission is to stop this person who is kind of doing his job for him. Mm-hmm. I guess they did a little bit of that in, like, Under the Red Hood, too, where he was going off and taking out villains. Right. Um, or there's uh, the Batman Beyond comic, Hush Beyond, which I've been rereading that stuff recently. That character, as well, is picking off Batman villains. It's like, I'm going to do the thing you couldn't do. So I don't know, there could be something interesting there potentially. Yeah, my my fear with that kind of with that kind of thing is obviously they're gonna want to franchise the shit out of anything and everything. Yeah. So if you start off a series with just half of your cast murdered, yeah. or being hunted at least, you <clears throat> you really limit yourself. Yeah, they, they probably couldn't get away with killing any of the big names. Maybe they could kill off some of the smaller names. And that's the problem, is we want stories with the smaller names. I'm tired of Jokers, yeah, penguins, catwomen, yeah, two feces, <laughs> yes, two feces. So, I don't know. I mean, again, Matt Reeves, good director, our Pats made very good choices mm-hmm. post Twilight. Let's uh, let's just hope, let's hope yeah. for the best and prepare for the inevitable worst, yeah. Uh, who, who would you, uh, aside from all that conversation, uh, who would you want to be the villain of the first one? In hopes that they get a second one. So I th- I may have mentioned this on air before. Or maybe it's you and I've talked about it off air. but We don't talk off air. We don't ever. No. Yeah. <laughs> Stop giving the illusion that we're friends. <laughs> yeah, we, we can barely like tolerate each other to just fake all those photos of us together at Disneyland. There, there's a pillow wall built between us <laughs> at the moment. We are actually doing this remotely. Yes. From the same apartment, but opposite corners. Mm-hmm. Opposite rooms. Yeah. Um, so I've had a a pitch for a Batman reboot. Um, And in that pitch, it would focus on a young Batman. It would not involve his origin, but young Batman again, where he's just starting out and he's essentially learning how to be a detective. 
and it would put him against a Kingpin style villain of sorts. You could either do the Penguin, or I think it'd be more interesting to do Black Mask. Mm-hmm. So you have someone like Black Mask who uh, kind of runs the Gotham Underworld, and obviously Batman picks him as a target to start with in terms of trying to take down, in the same way that he went after Falcone and Batman Begins. Into that mix, though, comes the Riddler, who in this version is a serial killer mm-hmm. who leaves behind clues at his crimes. So even though the like Black Mask and his schemes have deeper, more dangerous implications to Gotham. Maybe he's like bringing in a shipment of weapons or something like that, but he's got these, like what he's doing actually in the long run will have far more yeah, implications. <clears throat> Short term versus long-term threat. Yeah. The Riddler is the splashy villain that everyone's talking about. He's getting all kinds of news coverage and Batman realizes that, Oh, well if I can take down the Riddler, that will boost my own prestige in the city and people will help take me more seriously, build cops. trust. Yeah, and so he basically focuses efforts all on the Riddler, and ultimately what ends up costing him is like the lives of other people. Like I always thought that'd be a good way to bring in uh, a character from the Batman called Detective Bennett, who's like a friend of his from childhood, and basically he spends most of the first movie working with this detective, learning how to become one, and because he follows the wrong threat, Bennett dies. Oh, yeah, yeah I like that. Yeah, and so it's all about him basically having to overcome his own ego and figure out what's best for Gotham. Mm-hmm. And then for me, I would do a second movie that would focus on other vigilantes, but it wouldn't be like a Robin. Or maybe towards the end of it, you introduce a Robin, but I would want to bring in Huntress as someone who comes oh, in yeah. and is like modeling herself off of Batman, but taking it to a much further extreme. And so it actually addresses the, the question of what are the consequences of other people trying to do the same thing that he is without his same sort of moral code. Yeah. I think I, I like that idea a lot. And I think if you do the Detective Bennett, you could have a lot of really interesting connections with Gordon. Yeah. Uh, where like Batman is, you know, he's friends with Bennett beforehand, but it's Gordon he's trying to connect with. And he's like, I need his trust in order to do what I want to do. Yeah. And so Gordon's like, I will only, yeah, because then you have like that, that crisis of conscience. Mm-hmm. Like, does Batman prevail or does Bruce prevail? Like Bennett knows the threat of Falcone, but Gordon needs me to take out Riddler. Uh, and so, yeah, in doing so, yeah, he loses, he loses his connection to Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you do like one big name, you could do one big name again mm-hmm. and then yeah, like a, a, a lesser known one. I think that'd be a really good take. Yeah. And I've said it officially on air here. So if that ends up becoming very similar to the movie that gets made, vindication yeah because also i pitched i mean like pitch i never pitched this in anybody i just like talked about it with friends but i had a version of the man of steel that was basically the exact same movie but it was brainiac instead of general zod yeah so he ripped brainiac's head off exactly he killed brainiac yeah um but i mean like down to the idea of brainiac showing up on earth to try and uh recreate krypton down down to the idea of uh blowing up wayne wayne enterprise Yes, smashing through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, I like went in full depth on that pitch uh, on Sam Gash's podcast, Ideal Remake. Nice. So actually, I'll link that down in the show notes. I don't know if you guys... I, I plugged it when I did it before, but I'll plug it again because it was, it was a really fun conversation. We pitched out a whole like Superman reboot trilogy, quadrilogy. Nice. Although I've heard that actually it's Tetralogy? Not... Yes. Yes, I listened, <laughs> I listened to that yesterday. The Weekly Planet yeah. where they, they covered that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I loved James's reaction. He's like, oh, fuck off. Mm-hmm. It should just be a quadrilogy with because I think I think five movies is a quadrilogy. Oh, that's 
fucking bullshit. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I I don't even care at this point. Uh, so as an alternative to Tret Trilogy, Quartet is sometimes used, particularly in a series of four books. The term Quadrilogy... Uh, oh, maybe... Oh, but I think people just use it when it's not supposed to be used. Yeah. Okay, well, there we go. Yeah, because it would be Quintrilogy then. Uh, if it was five. Or that's a quintology. Yeah, qu- yes, a quintrilogy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, it's, it's, it's Jaws and it's four spinoffs all following the ghost of Quint. Yes. All right. Well, shall we uh, begrudgingly get oh. into our conversation on Zeta here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's not make this just us shitting on this show nonstop. <laughs> But let's let's try and bring in some other elements. Mm-hmm. So it is cool that they're trying to serialize the show. Yeah, like it actually starts off with a previously on. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, <laughs> is that enough good stuff? <laughs> okay, so like, so this is episode three. It's called Remote Control, and they're trying to track down this guy, uh, Doctor Selig. Selig, who was oh, the OG? That's right. Yeah, who was the main designer on Zeta? So they go to one of his. Uh, Former companies, they learn pretty quickly that Selig hasn't worked there in years. Uh, but while they're there, they come across this really bratty, young, uber genius named Bucky, who has built essentially like the world's most potent universal remote and mm-hmm. can take over anything. Um, and as, yeah, as long as he has, I guess, the schematics. Yeah, he has had the schematics. It's definitely of it. just a word I don't think they understood. And no, just knew it was sciency. It's just sound sciency. Because like, if they have the code, yeah, they, they didn't have the word algorithm yet. Yeah, <laughs> so they had to go with just schematics. But yeah. essentially, he builds uh, a remote control. He's able to like take over Zeta, and he uses Zeta to try and sabotage all the other presentations at the Innovation Awards, where. Bucky's colleague, what is it, Dr. Tanner, mm-hmm. has stolen his idea and tries to like push it off at his own. Yes. And then Ro you builds her own controller and they have like a No, she didn't no, she stole Tanner's controller. Oh, that's right. She stole the one that was being, yeah, pushed off uh as Tanner's and then Ro Because Ro Bucky just I guess refused to just take a toy from a child <laughs> when he's standing literally right in front of her the world's most petulant child yes uh so they basically have a, a battle where they're both controlling zeta and then ultimately she's able to destroy bucky's control and then zeta pulls out his buzz saws and scares bucky until he promises he'll never do anything like this again this of course being the attempted murder of his colleague yes so when I when we first meet Bucky, I thought it was Dr. Tanner's son. I did too. Because he definitely called him son. But I guess it's it's like the like the northern version of son. Yeah. I guess the Midwest version yeah, of like son. The, now listen here, son. You, yeah, I just yeah. You call every little boy. Well, I thought that too because um I think on the the Zeta Project wiki, I think it lists them in a way that implies they have the same last name. Um Bucky and Donald Tanner. <coughs> Excuse me, folks. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're not related. Oh, that's fine. I was waiting for that to be like the big twist at the end. It was like, this is your kid? Yeah. He talks to you this way? Mm-hmm. You have this sort of weird combative relationship? Yeah, because the whole, I mean, not the whole time, but whenever Ro is talking with Dr. Tanner, he's always like, well, how would your parents feel about this? What, what would your parents, yeah. yeah, what would your parents think if you were doing this? Where are they? 
I think it'd be very funny if uh, Roe at the very end went to like, I know Tanner, uh, right now, Bucky, now where are your parents? He's Mm -hmm. like, well, my dad's right there. Yeah. Uh, He's like, this is your child. Do you think that would have made the episode better if that was the twist? No, no. (laughs) I've been thinking a lot in the, in the, in the hour it's been since I finished that episode of how I could make this better. uh, And I just cut it. So it's cut the episode. (laughs) I, I actually think that would make the, episode better because we do get a lots of references in both these episodes to Ro and her family and how she really doesn't want to talk about it. Cause she's and by, mysterious and, and dark. By not talking about it. I mean, she's constantly alluding to it, but then when it would ask her questions, she doesn't, doesn't want to answer. Yeah. It's, it's that friend. It's like, oh, yeah, I don't want to talk about it, but that thing. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. But you I'm going to bring thing? it up that thing. I just, yeah. I just this I don't bracelet. Wanna... It's from, it's from my, uh, my ex. Yeah. But, uh, but I, I don't want to talk about really him. I really don't want to talk about him yeah. right now. Okay. Uh, like, I, I mean, like, oh my message. God, like I saw him on Instagram recently and yeah. he was off with that bitch and I don't know what the hell they're doing, but I don't, I don't want to talk about it. I don't, don't want to talk about it. It's fine. That's this whole show. That's the entirety of the show. That's Roe with their family. But I think, I think that would have made it a little more interesting because you get that kind of reveal at the end. It's actually his kid. And they're looking at this going like, this is such a weird, like complicated relationship. And like, this is horrible. This is the, like Zeta maybe makes a comment like, oh, like this, this is horrible. Like this is like the worst thing you can imagine. And Rose like, well, no, actually like I can imagine worse. And I think if they thematically brought her into it a little bit more, that could have at least given it some sort of like emotional texture. Yeah. Some substance. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that very much. Um, I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm I'm trying to push out the bitterness as much as I can to look at this analytically. Um, no, I definitely think yeah, having because the next episode is all about Zeta, kind of trying to find his dad. Yeah, of sorts. Uh, and so yeah, I think if if they definitely did show different parent-child interactions, it could be a way to introduce Rose problems. And it could be a way to introduce kind of like just the family dynamic of this world. Yeah. Like no one, no one has a normal life. Well, because at its core, there's a theme here going about nature versus nurture, right? Mm -hmm. So that could have been kind of an interesting way to like weave that into every single episode, right? So like you look at this dynamic between these two, if they were actually father and son, like, oh, is that just how they both are naturally? Because they're both like geniuses and they don't know how to like effectively communicate mm-hmm. is it because of their weird relationship, you know, it ties in then with the relationship. We don't really yet know about Roe and her family is Zeta like a killer. Like it, I think you, if you weave that thread through every episode, it just makes it a little bit meatier. Yeah. And I think, I think that would have been great if, um, Bucky was maybe like 16 to 22, somewhere in that age range where, like he's 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 still a genius for his age, mm-hmm. um, but now you get into the play of like the dad is jealous. Like he doesn't want to give up, you know. Kind of the you, you kind of have the like the bring home the bacon. Like he he's mm. the one that wears the pants in the family. Kind okay, of like he's mentality being kind of pushed out of relevancy because his yes. kid is it's because so much it, better than he is exactly. And so now he's trying to keep him down so he can have the limelight for just a little bit longer. Yeah. And that, and that would also make their conflict much more human and relatable. Because mm-hmm. here, it's basically just two people being super petty to each other. Yeah. And then you have a reason for them not to just grab the fucking controller from an eight-year-old's... An eight-year-old, Chris. I wrote in my notes multiple times, Ro, just fucking grab the controller from the child that's standing in front of you. 
Because I was waiting for the moment where she had ghost after him, and then Zeta comes, and I'm like, okay, there's a reason he has protection. Like, Zeta's protecting but him. But no, Zeta's in the other fucking room, and, and Ro is standing there with him, and, and she looks at the controller, she's like, oh no, I'm going to go and try and manually hold back this robot that I've seen hold up multiple tons above his head. We're, we're going to get into it. I can do it. I can do it. Coach, put me in. I'm ready to play. I'm ready to play. I, we're gonna, I made that layup in practice yesterday. I'm ready to make that that game winning shot. Sort of some nice sports references there. Yeah, because yeah. I'd rather watch sports than this. <laughs> Look, we we will get into it, especially more in our second episode this week. But everyone in this world is an idiot. Yes. Um. But I did have a question for you, which mm-hmm. is. Why does Ro have such a problem with what she calls college types? She like that's I feel like that's their her way of basically just saying they're nerds. Is, mm-hmm. she, is she like like did she mean by college types that they're like smart and hoity-toity and a bit broy? Like what it, what is she implying with this like Here, here's this my idea. of college types? I I feel like um who who's the producer on these? What something Bennett? Um what? R- the, Robert Goodman's the creator on it. No, no, no. The guy who Produces all the episodes. Whatever. Alan, Alan Burnett? Yes, that's what I'm thinking of. Alan but, Burnett. I mean, because he also did BTOS. Yes. I think Alan Burnett had the foresight, you know, 20 years ago to realize that the college system is so corrupt and it's getting more and more expensive that college types means richy riches. The only people that in this year can afford college anymore. It's the it's the preppy kids. It's the... It's the... Uh, the children of celebrities? Yes. And so she, when she so says Lori Laughlin's granddaughter, yes, when she says college types, she's talking about just the elite, the elite of the the children of the elite. Uh, okay, but yeah. Also, also, yeah. It, she's it's their way of, of saying nerd without saying nerd. Yeah, I feel like they didn't want to say nerd, but that's basically what she's implying because she's constantly frailing against these like these college types. Mm-hmm. Um, did you catch the A one one three reference? No. Ah, yeah, you weren't paying attention. Under- Are you surprised? <laughs> no, I don't blame you. Um, yeah, like they go into Bucky's room and he's got like a model airplane kind of in the foreground and on the side of it says A113. Wow. I know, right? Pixar. I know. Shut this thing down. Uh, but I, I have a, a a broader like question that in, with implications of this whole world, right? So when they're at the lab. Do you think everyone's dumb because no one can afford college? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think that's actually it. No one can go to college anymore because it, there's such a, a stigma. They don't want to be called a college type. Yeah. Like college has become so exclusive. Yeah. Uh, that no one goes anymore. And you know, everyone. That's why they just have an open it. door to a nuclear reactor. Oh, we're all, we're going to get to that too. Oh. All right. Chris. We, <laughs> we, we, we're, I'm adding this to the list of realities of this future world. <laughs> No college anymore. Or yeah. Practically no college anymore. Uh, but no, so when they're in the facility, uh, Bucky is wondering who Zeta is. And so he is able to identify him using facial recognition because that face is connected to the federal warrant out for Zeta's arrest. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't Zeta just change his face? <laughs> He's able to do it. Constantly. Constantly. But that's literally his his half of his programming. He stays in the same look everywhere they go, even though everyone is looking for that face specifically. Mm-hmm. Like he 
can disguise himself in a moment's notice and never actually does. Here, Chris, I'm going to pitch an idea to you. Okay. How about you watch the rest of Zeta? <laughs> and I'm just going to randomly start my life as a teenage robot, which is a much better <laughs> version of this. Of I'm these sorry, stories. wait, how, how is this a fair compromise? <laughs> how is this fair? Because I get to watch a good show. Uh, and yeah. And. That show's much better, Chris. It is. I, I loved my life as a teenage robot. Jenny, XJ9. He's got good characters, great villains. I mean, I would propose that we do one of each, <laughs> but I don't want to drag this out. Yes. Like, yes, we, we had that conversation of trying to pad it. Yeah. Can, do we like try and do one of this? Or... But then that would be half a year of this show. I had not actually thought about that, but you're right. We're mm-hmm. gonna, oh, oh. Yes. Of a bitch. How did this get a season two? Look, I have I have some some notes on that. Season two apparently is better. Yes, I know, but it's so far away right now. Um, but yeah, why like why doesn't he just change his disguise? I don't get it. Uh, animators. Fair enough. Oh, that's yeah. true. It's much cheaper to do it because way. I already noticed one. I found an inconsistency. Are you surprised? I found an inconsistency in this show. I, I'm neither surprised that it's there nor that you found it. Yes. Uh, in this episode, he has a laser on his forearm. Yes. In the next episode, he has a laser that comes out of his palm. It's like a gun that comes out. Oh, when he's trying to weld the door. Yeah. That actually came out of his chest cavity, like where his guns used to be. Okay. The guns that he got rid of. Yeah. Yeah. That he still sometimes has when it's necessary. Mm-hmm. But he also has a laser in his arm. <laughs> yes. Cool. He's, he's really he's redundantly equipped. Yeah, but anim- the animators already have the they already have the animation of him shooting. I know. Just change the background. I know. It's, uh, <sighs> <Should> we, <laughs> I really I mean should we just get to the next episode? I don't have much uh, more to say. Let me see what else. Uh, remote control. Uh, let's see. Rogue, go after that fucking kid. Holy shit! Uh, when she's running with with uh, Doctor Tanner, you stole his invention. What? Me? No, I didn't steal it. <laughs> it just looks identical. Yeah, it does the same thing. Uh, he's a robot, a toy. He doesn't have feelings. I mean, that, that's, that's pretty true. Uh, but he, wow. has, he has sad eyes, though. He does have sad eyes. He always looks so sad. I said, uh, oh, he snores, as we learned. Oh, okay, okay. That is something I did want to talk about. I accidentally deleted my note. Okay, so we learn that... It's a real character building episode. <laughs> so he has, he is powered by hydrogen, hydrogen. fuel cells. Cause he mm-hmm. says he draws in hydrogen from the atmosphere and that powers him, which means that he has built in hydrogen fuel cells, but it also means he has to physically extract the hydrogen or chemically, I suppose, extract the hydrogen out of the atmosphere. Now I looked this up. Mm-hmm. Hydrogen uh, in its H2 form, in its stable form, uh, comprises 0.000055% of our atmosphere. Okay. So either he is super, super efficient. Yes. Or he's having to basically break down, like, so the way that we produce hydrogen for hydrogen fuel cells is normally through natural gas. Mm-hmm. We basically, like, chemically break down natural gas, extract the hydrogen which then does put out other greenhouse gases just like at a lower rate than traditional fossil fuels. And then that we basically run through a, a machine and basically produce water and in doing so release energy. Yeah. So he, I guess he does all of those things mm-hmm. inside of himself. Yeah. 
Which is definitely not dangerous. No, not at all. No. Yeah, so he is not only a being powered by hydrogen fuel cells, but he's also a hydrogen generator. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds sounds very plausible. God damn it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's let's not forget uh, my favorite part <laughs> of every episode, uh, the end joke. Uh, yes, the, the PBS special. The it was the diaper pin. This yes, one. Uh, it's a diaper pin. Many say it used to uh, it was used back in the day for uh, oh, they would attach that to what to babies. They never said babies. Do they not? No, they always cut themselves off. Oh, I guess they didn't right. want to put that mental image in a child's head of just sticking needles into a baby. Yeah. Oh, what a what a treat this show is. <laughs> change of heart. Hey, maybe we'll have a change of heart. No, no, it's not gonna happen. We won't. Okay, so in this episode, there I on want the- West to just shoot me in the fucking face, <laughs> Agent West. Yes, that's not gonna happen. He'll miss. I know. I know. He'll just botch it. Uh, yes, in this episode, Zeta and Ro are on their way to the Grandview Science Museum, where Dr. Selig is giving a very rare presentation. Um, and man just gets around, doesn't he? He does, but infrequently. But he, I mean, he's, he's probably the only professor left in the world. Do you think it's going to take until episode 13 for them to actually find him? God damn it. Because that's what they were, they were looking for him in the Batman Beyond episode. That's why they were in the show. Because Dr. Oh. Selig was at was in Gotham. Did he actually appear? No, but they said his name. Oh, I forgot that part of it. Yes. Oh my god. See, I thought this. I was... honestly don't think they're going to solve it by. I think this is going to be like the like the series is story. Not ever finding him. Oh, yeah. Boy. Always being one step behind. Well, he's speaking at this science yeah. museum, <clears throat> this conference. We're going to find out, speaking of electromagnets, even though we haven't gotten there yet, we're going to find out that Dr. Selig is just a reverse magnet of uh, Zeta. And so wherever he goes, he just is always the same. Just pushing pushing him away, constantly repelling him. That would make sense, actually. Yeah. I can see that being a literal plot point in this show. (laughs) So when it starts out, though, they're already uh, being pursued by Agent Bennett and his team. Mm -hmm. And Zeta's able to knock them out of the sky by basically, like, chucking their own version of like a buzz droid back at them yeah you know what a buzz droid is star wars yes yes which star wars all of them god damn it <laughs> it's, uh, it's from revenge of the sith okay so they're fighting the the droids the uh droid starfighters would launch these missiles instead of the missiles with these little buzz droids and the little little robots yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah because r2 had to go and zap them all yes exactly because mm-hmm. somehow that movie's a comedy yeah uh but so they're able to escape from Bennett, and then they go to this museum where Zeta tries to be in disguise, but is quickly captured by a giant electromagnet on a crane that just exists inside the science museum. It's seemingly to move... This museum is so dangerous. This is the Willy Wonka factory of museums. Oh, absolutely. Like, everywhere you turn, something is trying to kill you. Yeah. Because that, even that electromagnet is being used to haul old-fashioned cars around so there's so many things wrong with that mm-hmm. one you are just physically moving like multiple ton vehicles around an open space museum mm-hmm. inevitably someone's controlled gonna die. by a lever with no security oh no you can just anyone can just go and turn off like that thing off and on also that's the worst way to transport a car around a museum that will scratch and dent the shit out of the roof of those cars mm-hmm. which we know will be made with sheet like shitty materials at that point mm-hmm. probably not even metal also we know specifically that you have to walk under it to get to the bathroom 
that, oh, that is an actual right. point. That they is say an actual plot point. Yeah, yeah. That you have to go under the electromagnet, the giant electromagnet to the bathroom. Yeah. So he Zeta is picked up by this electromagnet, and then uh, the security guard again recognizes him from like his photo of this warrant that continues to exist. Uh, and then while they try to escape from being captured by the museum security, they go on the world's largest ride about the human body, mm-hmm. which also has major security flaws. Cause you can just unbuckle, unbuckle your yourself. Yeah. Like I mean, how, how many stories tall must that thing be? Cause it's like, it, it was oh my, bro, basically, I would, I would like, say 20. Yeah, easily. Cause it's a, basically like the approximate size of a human body where a real size human body maybe comprises like, Two inches mm-hmm. over the course of the torso. That's insane. Yeah. It's 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 the worst amusement park ever. I mean, it kind of looks like the uh, World of Tomorrow ride from Phantasm, a little bit like that, like that old fashioned monorail track, like the yeah, single yeah, trail yeah, yeah, with yeah. Like a little car seat on top of it, or kind of like a like Ken Adams design from like the sixties Batman, mm-hmm. excuse me, sixties Bond movies, for example. Uh, but yeah, massive security flaws in that thing. And so while they're on this ride, Zeta befriends this little girl who ultimately gets trapped inside a mini fusion reactor with an auto, like an open door that then automatically locks once you're inside of it. And so he basically has to save her, but in doing so exposes himself to the agents who then try and capture him, but then inevitably fail to catch him anyways. Well, they introduced a new weapon they have to stop him that they, uh, never use. Oh, the shoulder mounted cannon. The yeah, the cannon that will like it's like a like a gyroscopic something. Oh, it'll it's it'll disable like the internal gyroscopes that give him balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah it'll like ruin it'll his motor function. Basically, make him drunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but don't worry, they never use it. No, because they get caught by the magnet. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's also a small detail that I think follows along from the last episode of this episode, and you're you're more of a sciencey person, so maybe you can correct me on this. Last episode, they said that he was made of pure titanium. Yeah. I don't think titanium is magnetic. Because uh, that's what replacement body parts are made of. And that would be very dangerous. I think you're right, actually. Um, da, 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 da. It's weakly magnetic, yeah. So, yeah, that won't really work <laughs> Great. very well. Somehow we found a pothole in this episode. <laughs> shocking. Truly shocking. Um, okay, I know you really want to talk about the little girl getting trapped in the nuclear reactor. The, the little girl, one, has like the least responsive parent of all time. She's lifted from this 20-story... It's, it's just a straight... We're jumping back yeah. to, the, to the giant body. The giant body ride. Yeah, so they're in a tunnel, and then they're not, and then they're just floating... I'll say 17 stories above nothing. Yes. Uh, and the girl's like, I can't see anything because there's a giant body in the way. Uh, and so uh, Zeta picks her up and just lifts her over the pit of nothing. Yeah. And the mom's like, wow. He Simba's her. Yeah. He's like, wow, she can see so much from over there. I don't think the mom never <laughs> the mom doesn't even notice. <laughs> I know. <coughs> no, I mean, sorry. Like, that's, that's the thing about this show is that everyone is really stupid. Yes. So like starting with West, I mean, he's like deliberately dumb. Cause he's like, just constantly bumble fucking things up. He's an idiot. Zeta is an idiot. 
because he is a stealth infiltration robot that does not know how to like play things low key. Mm-hmm. He's the most blatant character in the entire show. He'll just use his robotic arms in places. He'll just it's right change after in a she's like, "Hey, don't do anything suspicious." Yeah, he's like, "Okay," and then he yeah unbuckles this little girl, grabs her, and then I yeah, honestly extends thought he was going to drop out. her. I, like, w- I was so ready for her to just drop her. It's like it. Why are you so stupid? The mom no idea that this is happening literally next to her. Yeah. It'd be like riding in Pirates of the Caribbean and not noticing that someone has leapt off the boat and is like playing with the, the animatronics. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And then she's, the mom is an idiot again. Cause then she loses track of her daughter who wanders into just an open nuclear reactor, <laughs> which everyone who works at that museum is an idiot. Why would you build a museum with a fully functioning Nuclear reactor that just has an open door. Why do you even need a door? Yeah. Why is it there? Why is there a door? None of these things make any goddamn sense. I know. And like, you could even have it be something where it's under repair, maybe. Mm -hmm. And she, she Danny phantoms it where she like gets in and she presses a button on the side. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then she becomes a ghost, but in this case, because she's murdered. A nuclear ghost. Yes. It's like, and then even Bennett's an idiot because he's chasing him, them at the oh, end. Oh my god! And Zeta goes into the, like, robot the hall museum. of synthoids, hall of robots, and then disguises himself as an older-looking robot. And Bennett decides, yeah, there's no way he's hiding amongst the other robots. I'm just gonna walk away. Yeah, and I think that's what makes this show so frustrating. Is honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to do that that bullshit movie scene in comedies where Bennett's standing in the door. He's like, oh. Well, I guess he's not here. And he like makes the foot sounds like he's walking away. Mm-hmm. And then Zeta turns back into his normal <laughs> self. He's like, gotcha. Ha! He's like, oh no, Bennett, you fooled me. I mean, Zeta would fall for that. Uh, so easily. God damn it. If it's, we see that in the next episode, Chris, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's everyone has to be just so, so dumb in this show. Yeah. And it, it felt like... <coughs> The writers just like <clears throat> forgot that this had to be three acts because mm-hmm. the entirety of the second act felt so like nothing happened. No, you, you could have gone straight from the, the security officers, cha- security officers chasing them to Bennett coming in with their cannons and then maybe, I don't know, do something with the weapon you set up. Yeah. I mean, I, this whole show, I think, is maybe filler. maybe West misses and he hits the nuclear reactor, makes that hole right before it starts up. And now Ro and uh, Zeta are like, hey, we can either escape. Yeah, there's 30 seconds left. They don't have time to escape, even though Zeta's like, hey, there's 20 seconds left on this bomb that's about to go off. Maybe now you should evacuate. Yeah, maybe we should send out an evacuation order just to just to toss that idea just out there. They, you guys can run it 75 miles an hour like I can, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, so, you know, there's a minute left. West misses, shoots a hole in the barrier. Not a door. Just just, just the containment chamber. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and then Zeta has the crisis of conscience. Like, do I save myself and go after my father? Uh, or do I save all these people that I don't really know and that have been bad-mouthing robots this entire time? But they're still human. Or they're still, you know... Not bad people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, and you said there was no way to make these better. I said that for the first episode. First episode. Because I just cut that one. Yeah, that there's really no merit to that one at all. At least this has like some... This stuff. is me cutting out 
80% of the episode. Um, it's going to be a very, very short list. Yeah. When we get to the end, it basically won't exist. <laughs> um, oh, there was one little moment that kind of bothered me. So at one point, Ro grabs Zeta's holographic jacket. Does that mean that his holograms are like hard light constructs? Like they actually have... Oh, I was thinking about like this. physical like heft to them and like you can physically interact with them. Um, it should be no. But I was yes. thinking about this when, when he turns into a kid. Uh, is he crouched over or is he just like invisible from the shoulders up? He, his frame either shrinks or grows to okay. accommodate the size of the body he's impersonating. Which if you think about it is horrifying given his original programming that he'd be capable of impersonating a, the, someone the size of a child. Yeah. Because then what happened... That means he's murdered children. Yeah. But my question is... But also, is, they must not have been innocent children. Right. Because it only, it, he only realized that one person is innocent, like, way down the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's my question, then. What happens to the... When he, when he still had all the weapons inside of him, what happened to those when he shrank to child form? He... Took to, them out and he put them into a lunchbox. <laughs> he just he just pooped and he just them out. carried around a lunchbox full of guns. Yeah, okay, I, I'd believe that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he just grows a backpack. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I mean, I guess that's the implication of that moment is that he can physically those holograms actually have like physical shape to them. Yeah, and heft. Sorry, excuse me. Um, I love how you like apologize for yawning off the side there, and I've been hacking. That's fine. Hacking and coughing this entire time. Folks, uh, I might be dying. Because of this show? If anything, I hope it kills me before we're done with this. Mm-hmm. So, Let's talk about the great episode. I, I love the idea of you having to keep doing this without me. I would stop. I don't think you can. I think I would insist. I would <laughs> write it. I would, I'm going to write it into my will that you must keep this show going. Okay. Do I still have to publish it? Yes. All right. You have to do all of the work. That's, yeah. All right. Uh, You've never wanted me to stay alive longer. <laughs> I've, I've never <laughs> been so tempted to just keep you safe <laughs> my entire life. This reminds me of the episode from My Life as a Teenage Robot. Please. Please. When XJ9 meets all of her sisters. Okay. Because XJ9 being the ninth iteration of the XJ Robot series. Yes. Uh, and so she meets XJ one through eight mm-hmm. and it's such a dandy episode, a dandy episode. A d- it's so nice because it's just like her hanging with her sisters. Like there's no threat with them. Uh, they all have some kind of problem or malfunction. Mm-hmm. And so that's why their mom turned them off. But Penny's like, no, they're still my sisters and you have to love them for their, for their flaws. I think I remember this episode. Yeah. But how does it end, though? Uh, there's some other villain that comes out, and they all have to work together in and order to take him out. They all get turned off again and put back in a box? I think they just, like, get a room in the house that they'd never go into again. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Yeah. going to pretend they don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. No, they have the basement. They have the basement to themselves. I think they're all still on. Okay. And that came out at least in a three-year window before or after this episode. I think a few years after this. Yeah, I want to say. Okay, so. But boy, if we want to talk about good children's cartoons. Well, I mean, okay, along those lines, I think that's the lens we need to look at with this show: is does it succeed as a kids' cartoon? Mm-hmm. This episode, sure. 
Valuable lessons about don't walk into the open door of a nuclear reactor. Yeah, don't don't walk into places you're not supposed to be. Yeah, kids. Yeah, don't ask strangers disguised as children. Don't unbuckle your seat. Actually, no, there was no repercussions of unbuckling, unbuckling your seatbelt in the middle of a ride. Yeah, uh, but don't do it. Please. No, because the Disney employees will yell at you. Yes, cast members. Cast members. Jesus Christ. I mean, they're still employees. Yes, but they're all part of the cast, Chris. Uh, are you are you looking it up? What? Looking what up? Cast members? I don't know. No, I know okay. they're called cast yeah, members. Yeah, I know. Uh, the episode before, uh, no, because there's no repercussions for anything. The doctor steals... Uh, and I guess is murdered. I guess almost murdered. I guess that's a repercussion of yeah. Theft. He's he's theft. Yeah, there's attempted murder on the part of the yes, thief. but only intellectual property. Yeah, uh, because Roe steals physical property. Nothing nothing bad happens. What does she steal again? She steals the 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 gadget, the the controller. Oh, his, but that gets destroyed. Yeah. Oh, she takes it with her though, and then like they throw it out of the car and it yeah. breaks. So stealing's okay as long as you <laughs> destroy destroy the, the property. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, attempted murder. It's fine as it's long fine. as you as long as you feel bad about it. Okay. As long with the caveat that you feel bad in the face of dying, your of in the face of being murdered yourself. Yes. Just put that in nice little parentheses asterisk underneath the rest of the text. Uh, it's uh, it's okay to if if someone is younger than you, it's okay to never listen to them, put them down constantly, uh, and just treat them like lesser people. Yeah. Totally fine. Uh, yeah, great lessons for a child cartoon. Yeah, that's how I talk to you all the time. I know. <laughs> because you've watched the show. Exactly. I learned as a yes. child, this is how you talk to people. Yes, it's okay for me to do this. There's obviously no repercussions. Uh, threaten me with a buzzsaw someday, aren't you? What? You're going to threaten me with a buzzsaw someday. Oh, every day I can. Once that thing's done. <laughs> Once we're done with Zeta. Yeah. Once that thing's all nice and oiled up. Mm-hmm. Should uh, I wash that back? Yeah, and no cause for alarm, just the threat of a nuclear explosion. Yeah, it's That's fine. fine. Hiding it, yeah. Oh, lots of robots. I, best, I guess I better give up my search. <sighs> All right, and then this wonderful, the wonderful joke at the end of this one is uh, it's an oil can. Get oh, it? yeah. Because he's a tin man. Yeah. And it's an oil can. Do you get it? No, I don't get it. Can you please explain it to me? No, that's what she says twice. Do you get it? Do you get it? Do you? Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Uh, two down. Four down. Well, I mean, well, I mean two, two, two episodes. Two, two podcasts down. Yeah, 11 more of these to go. Uh, we'll, we'll make it through. Yeah. We'll make it through. Um, all right, so I got some notes from friends here. Great. Uh, Please cheer me up, friends. Okay, so one is from Maddie, because I did tell him, like, yeah, we definitely want to get your, your thoughts on these as we're going through it, because he really does love this show. Which boggles my mind. Well, okay, hang on. He, he explains a bit more. So he does say that uh, like Zeta wasn't originally a bachelor pilot for anything. Um, it wasn't until that Batman, Batman Beyond episode was always, almost done that Robert Goodman came up with an idea for the series. Um, but he wanted it to be darker and more in line with the world of Batman Beyond. Um, that like One of his key inspirations was actually Minority Report. I see that. Yeah, and that it basically was like studio meddling that most likely resulted in this like going very, very kid focusing. He does say that the uh, the you know stakes are ramped up in season two. There's more action. It's not nearly as kiddie. The uh, little end cards are gone. 
what? Yeah. But they're my favorite parts. I know. So he's thinking that we might warm up to it more by the end of season one. Um, uh, but he did think it was interesting that you brought up uh, Kim Possible because the main character designer from that show, Steven Silver, did a lot of work on this. And then there was uh, another designer, Ovi Nadelko, probably saying that wrong, who has worked on Paranorman, Kubo and Two Strings, Mary Poppins Returns. He got a start on this show, which is kind of cool. How right? has he grown? Yeah. Um, da, 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 da. Oh, yeah. And he was saying that, like, you know, when he was originally doing Zeta, he didn't really understand that, you know, you weren't just given unlimited artistic freedom when you're working this stuff. You actually had to capitulate to the network. Mm-hmm. So I think there's probably a lot of people that were kind of frustrated by this show and how it wasn't the, what they originally wanted to be. It had a really tight budget. They weren't allowed a lot of creative freedom. Um, you know, so it's basically just not this us. It's not just us who feel this way about yeah, this. But what, what really surprises me a lot about this episode is, or about the series so far, maybe it'll change the later down we go, is for them trying to force a kid's cartoon down everyone's throat, there's nothing you can market from this show. Like, yeah, you can make a Zeta toy. You make a Row toy, I guess. Which they wouldn't have done back in the day because they never made the girl toys. Yeah. But, like, there's not even a Villain of the Week thing. Like, there's no, no this... other cool... Like, you're not going to get a Bennett toy. Yeah, like, who is excited about that? It's not like they're going up against other cool robots that you want to get the toys of. Yeah. And also, what would you do with a Zeta toy? Like, his main ability is to impersonate other people. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's one of those where it... um. And if you don't get a hard action figure, I guess you, I, mean, I guess you could kind of do it with a hard. It'd be harder, but you could do it like uh, with those old plushies. There was a Pokemon plushie back in the day where uh, it was it looked normal on the front, but there was a zipper on the stomach, and you could flip it inside out, and it'd be a Pokeball. Okay. So you could have it flip between. So you could have like a plush Zeta that would flip inside out to be the human Zeta. Yeah. I also also remember would add a little like couple guns inside of him. Yeah, just so many guns. Yeah, I remember. Some toys I had. I can't remember what the brand was exactly. And maybe they were like McDonald's toys. But they were basically like fixed posed action figures. And then you could change out like an exterior costume as like a shell. So they basically then had almost like a like a Russian nesting doll sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So just like there was basically like a, a, a seam along like the horizontal or the, the vertical lines of the action figure. You just like pull them apart. So you could do something like that, I guess, where... You have a Zeta action figure, then you have a whole bunch of like fixed hard plastic exterior looks you could like snap on and off on the outside of it. But that mm-hmm. it's novel, but that wouldn't really yeah. lead to hours and, of enjoyment now, would it? I mean, you could do like a mix and mash kind of thing. Cause that was the whole that was the whole plug of uh Metabots back in the day. Do you know did you ever know Metabots? Is that Lego? No. Okay. You're thinking uh Mega Blocks. No, there was a a brief run of lego toys that were like you know action figure size they were like maybe eight inches tall Mm -hmm. and it was one of their original ip ideas and there was like they tried to like launch a show along with it or whatever you're not talking about bionicle are you no because like bionicle was designed out of like text like technic Mm -hmm. pieces these were actual like hard plastic fully molded action figures and then they, they would have component pieces like the torso, head, two pieces of the arms, two pieces of legs were all modular. You could take them apart and swap them out. And mm-hmm. there was like robots and humans. And like the human, you could like replace his arms with like wings. I don't know what they were called. Yeah. I mean, that, that's basically the plot of uh, Megabox or uh, Metabots. 
which is it's an anime. Okay. That's why I have to bring it up. Um, but in the show, the, it was it was kind of like uh, like fighting for pink slip, like kind of the idea of that. Oh, where, like you're uh, fighting for who owns the robot. Uh, well, it would be it would be the best component of the robot. So like if you're fight if I'm fighting like a, a robot that's kind of based around a lobster and I beat it, I would get its arm that would have like a claw cannon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then in my next fight, I can switch out one arm for that arm, and then I have a stronger robot to fight with. Did they have lobsters that had rocks on the end of their arms? They did not. There was no rock lobster. God damn it. Uh, but I'm saying you could, I mean, everyone, you know, mix and match toys were, are still pretty popular. Yeah. Um, so you, well, you could have, I had a Batman toy. I don't remember where I got it. And it was, it had a weird draw where the head was like uh, compressible. It was on a spring. Yeah. Uh, and you, so that was the Bruce. Yeah. And then you had the, did you have this one where it was the, the cape and the cowl that you would put on top? Yes. Mm-hmm. Was, uh, it was either, there was one for, from the animated series line. There was one from Batman Forever. I think I had the Batman Forever one. Okay, yeah, like he had like a, it was like a blue suit, mm-hmm. and he had these like big long blades on the ends of his arms. Nope, didn't have that one. Okay, and the other one. Never mind then. Uh, unless unless the blades came off, which they might have. I did a lot of uh, very evil things to my toys back in the day. Um, Were you Sid? I was Sid, a hundred percent. I was Sid. You monster! I know, only to a couple, but I, I regret it. I promise. I thought you were about to say I, they deserved it. They no, deserved it. They, they deserved it. Uh, no, so you could have done like a modulization form of this where the base form is Zeta. And then you can get, you know, chest plates of a person that you can snap on the front. You know, they, like you were talking about that leg, I think you get shoulder, forearm, or folder, shoulder, upper arm, forearm, hand, and then thigh, shin, feet. Yeah. Uh, and then face and hair. And you can make you you just get a pack you get a character, so someone he turns into you can get Bennett you can get West Rowe yeah you can just swap out yeah parts, and you can make uh, human monstrosities <laughs> rather than just cartoon monstrosities yeah yeah I mean that that could have worked but I agree with you overall like it's really unclear what they were trying to sell with this mm-hmm. it just doesn't because usually when shows are when when networks shove child-friendly content there is an ulterior motive behind that yeah and i'm trying to see what the motive was for this show i guess just like nielsen ratings they they just wanted i don't know i I guess i I guess for advertisers they wanted proof that they have a younger demographic which i definitely see back in the day um yeah maybe they're just trying to pad out actually i bet that i bet that's exactly it i bet it was a uh similar situation with young justice uh their nielsen ratings were showing that the target demo was slightly older than what the advertisers were wanting at the time oh okay so they had uh, to like skew it down yeah so you know you can't sell applejack cereals to a 22 year old i mean totally you can. can you totally can yeah uh, but it's much it's a much harder sell yeah than an 11 year old yeah because 11 year olds are dumb exactly especially if they live in this world yeah uh, and so I bet this show existed to drop that number, that Nielsen number down for the advertisers. I could see that. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, so I had another note from friend here from Ashley Clark, uh, and she sent me a YouTube video cause now there are rumors that Macaulay Culkin could end up playing the Joker. 
in The Batman. How do you feel about that? Uh, I just found out recently that he's married to Brenda Song, which is very fascinating. Oh, he is? Yeah. Oh. Isn't, that, isn't that interesting? I mean, he dated Mila Kunis for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she got back with Ashton. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, 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 I see the face for sure. Yeah. And I'm, I'm positive if that happened, he would have to do the, the Home Alone scream at some point. He would have to. Or no, at least I mean, make that face no, as the I mean, joke. If, I think they would, if they were to bring him on board, I mean, this is all pure speculation. Mm-hmm. If they were to bring him on board, I think they would go out of their way to distance themselves from that imagery. But like, that's even, that is like a thing Joker does though. Like there is a, there's a, a, a cover that I can't remember. Well, I mean, uh, the killing where, joke. Like yeah. He, he yeah, comes, yeah. Where he's he doing out, the scream. Yeah, comes, yeah. But they wouldn't do that though, because like the last thing you want to do, like, this movie is going to be a serious film. Mm-hmm. Okay, I sorry. I'm I was I was thinking it as a separate film. Yes, if it is in the same film as Robert Pattinson. Yeah, it'd be in the Arpats film. Okay. Uh I mean, sure. I'm I'm down for for new weird things. Uh it's not my first choice. It's not my last choice. I don't I think it could be interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I could be down for it. Mm-hmm. Uh and then she also said that uh she's Rewatching the uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, and it's oh, got nice. her waxing nostalgic. Um, she, you know, I'll, she says, "I know a lot of people point to it as actually ushering in the modern superhero movie, uh, but it has such unflagging optimism, almost childlike wonder. Note, not childish, but childlike. Uh, I feel like that wonder is what almost all of the recent superhero movies have just not ever fully recaptured, and she misses it. Mm-hmm. What, what What are your thoughts on the Raimi films? Have you rewatched them recently? It's been, it's been a while." Uh, but I mean, there's always that, that wonderful still photo they get shared, the, the gift they get shared around where it's Mary Jane, uh, clearly holding onto a, a plastic Spider-Man as they're swinging through the air. You know what I'm talking about? I don't think I've seen this. Oh, you, you, I'm sure you've seen it and you've just blocked it out there. There's a moment where they're swinging, uh, and you don't see Spider-Man, you don't see the mask or anything, but you can definitely tell she's holding on to like a dummy or a stand-in. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's, it's very funny. Uh, it, it's on the same level as, uh, from American sniper when you can clearly see Bradley Cooper holding, holding a fake baby. Yeah. I mean, uh, but no, I mean, I, I remember loving those as a, as a kid. Yeah. Uh, and everyone talks about the, the strut sequence, which I still think is one of the funniest moments of, of cinematic history. Um, and they talk, they, everyone shits on, on three. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have to rewatch them, but I, I have, I have, uh, through nostalgia vision, I really enjoy them. Yeah. I haven't watched them in a long time. Um, it would be interesting to go back and revisit them because, you know, Ashley is right. They, along with Brian Singer's X-Men, and X2 did help bring in that modern era and it mm-hmm. sort of set and blade to an extent blade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, blade didn't have the same sort of cultural saturation. Yeah, that's true. Um, as those other two franchises did. And you know, they, they did kind of help set the template a little bit going for a long time. Like, cause they were pretty grounded and they're pretty realistic. I think the, the Raimi films let themselves be, a little bit more fun and a little bit more campy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they went very campy, obviously, by the time we got to that third one. Um, 
No, it'd be interesting to go back and re-watch them a little bit, though. Because, I mean, I think, you know, two, from what I remember, was great. And people still kind of hold up two as this really, you know, high bar that was set. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'd be interesting to see if they now are going to feel a little bit dated. Because, you know, the superhero movies at that time did sort of fit a mold and in a tone and an aesthetic. Um, it'd be interesting to see how well that holds up now when they embrace that comic bookiness a little bit more. Cause I would agree with her. I think those movies are um, very kind of wide eyed, optimistic and sincere. Whereas maybe the newer films, especially from Marvel are a little bit more tongue in cheek, a little bit more knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you have an optimistic character like cap, but he's constantly put in like very kind of cynical, pessimistic situations. Yeah. So I don't very know, adult situations. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to like, see. Like, should I betray my government? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Should I become a war criminal? <laughs> so it would be interesting to go back and, and rewatch those at some point. Instead of like, Oh man, someone's getting robbed, but I have to deliver these pizzas. It's very important. Pizzas. What do I do? How do I choose yeah. <laughs> someone's life or a $4 tip? I mean, he needs that money. He does. He needs that money. Uh, but yeah, so that's our notes from friends. Okay. Uh, actually, what time is it? I, I can ask this. I can ask this question. I don't think I asked this on the on the air yet. Yeah. Um, someone messaged me this question. Actually, uh, uh, um, Trevor posted it on his Facebook oh, uh, okay. a week or two ago. Uh, <laughs> asking the question. <laughs> <laughs> um. Asking the question, uh, what was a more influential series or fran- not franchise, uh, company, Hanna Barbera or Pixar? Ooh. And and with your knowledge of the animation industry, what would you say has been more influential slash impactful, both good and bad, on the industry? I don't know if you can really say which one's more impactful because I feel like Pixar doesn't exist without Hanna-Barbera. Yes. I mean, because Hanna-Barbera was the most mainstream animation studio for a really, really long time. Obviously, you have you have Warner Brothers, you have Disney. Um, but, I mean, Hanna-Barbera is expansive. And, you know, that tone had such a big influence on like all kinds of animation going forward. Um, I feel like Hanna-Barbera is the most high concept of those studios too, right? Cause I mean, you know, we've talked about this before that Looney Tunes, those cartoons were created to accompany the Warner music library. Mm-hmm. That's why it's why it's spelled T U N E S. Exactly. Um, you know, and Disney was, you know, making, movies like in the day he was making movies and you know they all came from established fairy tales and stuff like that Hanna Barbera was pretty much all original concepts uh again a lot of them very high concepts a bunch of teenagers with a dog solving mysteries right like wacky racers the Flintstones the Jetsons you know it was kind of all about what's this this big idea that you can build a series around and I think in that regards Pixar took a similar model and just adapted it for Film, right? I mean, you think about the idea of a, you know, Toy Story. There's something Hanna Barbera esque in that idea. Um, you know, I think that's true of a lot of their original stuff. And then, you know, Toy Story or Pixar now, obviously, has been the single biggest influence on feature film animation mm-hmm. going forward, to the point where there are some years that the Disney in-house animation studio surpasses Pixar in terms of the quality of their projects. Other round. No. Oh. 
like the year that Moana came out. Oh, like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like sorry, I thought you were referencing the mid two thousands. No, I'm talking about when, now. When, I'm talking about yeah. now, where it's like, I would say that Zootopia and Moana are better films than Finding Dory, the Cars sequels, than Coco. Nothing, Coco. Coco is a masterpiece. Okay. Um, but like better Cause, than cause the, I would, the I would dinosaur. Co- I so. would do comparisons between uh, like originals and originals. I wouldn't like. I feel like it's unfair comparing an original to a sequel. But like the Good Dinosaur was an original, and that's like yeah. the most forgotten Pixar film. Oh, I know. Yeah. I worked on I it. I know you. I know you worked on it. So, I think they've had a huge influence now. But I would, I guess, if I had to pick one, I would say Hanna Barbera is a bigger influence because without that, you wouldn't have Pixar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I agree. Uh, but just from my knowledge of the industry, I feel like they both affected it so drastically in in both positive and negative ways. Mm-hmm. So Pixar, obviously, with their 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 rule of 3D animation and kind of having every other studio conform to them, especially nowadays. I don't, yeah. I don't remember the last time I saw just a straight-up 2D animated film done in America. No. Um, and that, that's insane. Like, you changed an industry that had been around for 100 years. Yeah. Uh, and then Hanna-Barbera changing the industry in such a different way where, yeah, like you said, they were the only, at the time, they were the only studio that understood how to make uh, animation for television. Before, when you had Looney Tunes and Disney and Tax Avery, um, everything was was a short for a, for a theater. Yeah. It took months and months and years and years to make these shorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Hanna-Barbera is like, hey, we know how to cut the corners. We know how to cut the cost. We know how to speed this up, or we can give you a weekly show, which was unheard of in animation back in the day. It's but true. because of that, they cut quality to such an extreme that it affected Disney. The late 70s, early 80s films mm-hmm. lost a ton of money because they, they tried to cut as many corners as possible. Um, there, there's the, the, the idea of like the, the classical animation versus the not modern, um, or sorry, not classical, traditional animation versus... Um, I don't remember the the, the name of, of their style, but the, the show that I've brought up multiple, multiple times on this show, Chester McBoing Boing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of the, it was the, the pure inspiration for Hanna-Barbera. It was like, hey, there's no backgrounds. There's no camera movement. It's all straight on. Uh, the animation is done on twos instead of, on, instead of ones, which is a huge jump. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, no, I guess old Disney was, was on twos. Not important. Uh, but they were like, hey, we can make all these stories. We can make as many stories as we want, as long as it's cheap and easy. And they, they were able to master that. And, and from that, we got the, the very blocky shows of the early 80s. And, and all through the 60s and 70s, they're kind of the only players. Yeah. There, there was no other animation studio that could even compete with them. Everything, you know, Josie and the Pussycats, uh, the, what's, what's the gorilla? Gilla Gorilla? Yeah, uh, something like that. Magilla Gorilla? Hmm? Magilla Gorilla? Yeah, Magilla Gorilla, thank you. Um, you know, Top Cat, uh, Underdog. Underdog! Underdog, um, El Cabong. Like, these are all so iconic. Yeah. But it's all one studio. It's crazy. And that's insane. And uh, I think his, I think Trevor's actual question was who had more iconic characters. Oh, Okay. And and that 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 is a very big question because you know, Hanna Barbera had 
40 years of dominance. Well, yeah. Uh, and Pixar's had, I guess, 20. Um, but in that time, it, it's, it's a different battle because Pixar's goal has always been like, hey, how can we go outside of the box? And it's they, they do everything they can to make everything as unique as possible. Mm-hmm. Whereas Hanna-Barbera was more on the like, wouldn't this be funny if we did this? <laughs> they, they, it was you know a, a change of times where now the market is so oversaturated, you have to go out of your way to make a unique silhouette, a unique character, a unique personality. Yeah. Where back then it was just like, uh, a whale uh, plays the drums. And we're, we're going to call him Jabberjaw. That's a shark. I'd watch that. Yeah, it was a great show. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have... Uh, Joe seen the Pussycats in yeah. space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Love that show. And it's so good. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's, is it actually good? No. No. Uh, yeah, it's a change of times where back then, basically everything got greenlit, where now only the best of the best of the best get greenlit. So yeah. that's where you have the, the, the challenge of who has the more unique characters. Yeah, it'd be hard to say who has more iconic characters. Like, if you show kids, you know, anyone from Toy Story or from Cars, or like Wally or Up or one of those really big ones, they're going to know that maybe more so. But maybe world over, people might know better the Jetsons, the Flintstones. Oh, here, here's, a, here's a question. Yogi Bear. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, here's a question that I think we could ask all ages. For more iconic style, not character specific, if we showed a minor character from a Hanna-Barbera cartoon, cartoon compared to a Pixar movie, who would be able to tell which, like, would you be able to tell which movie it is and which show it is? Like, if I showed you, um, like, a background character in Ratatouille, would you would you be able to identify that it's specifically Ratatouille? Whereas if I pulled a character from if I pulled a villain from Scooby Doo, could you tell it was Scooby Doo? I mean, the the human version of the villain, not not the actual monster. Yeah, I could. Mm, yeah, we could. Yeah, like because I've seen a lot of Scooby Doo, and you know, mm-hmm. like even then, Scooby Doo is okay. I'll change style it then. different than some of the other ones. Uh, I'll change it. Uh, a uh, a park goer from Yogi Bear. I mean, I could probably spot that it's Hanna Barbera, but what I mm-hmm. I could probably make an educated guess that it's it's Yogi Bear if they look like they're going to be in a park. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I could be like, if you pull any character from any Hanna Barbera, like, oh, that's mostly Hanna Barbera. Mm-hmm. You could pull anyone from Pixar. Uh, maybe I could guess that it was Pixar. Maybe I could guess which movie. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, that might be a really hard comparison. Yeah, I don't know if that actually tells people that much. But it's a fun game. I get. I you tell me how those results go. I will. I'll play it with myself because no one wants to play that game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you'll do great at it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna nail it. Yeah, you'll be set. Yes. But uh, tell us what you guys think because I think that's a very fun, fun question. To think yeah. about like who did change the industry the most. Yeah. Both of them ruined Disney on on their in their own ways. In their own ways. Yeah. Yes. One of them just took it over instead. Ha ha. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what do you have to plug this week? Uh, what do I, I, I have, uh, a movie plug and two weirder plugs. So we, we both went to Star Wars. We can super, super briefly talk about Star Wars. We're not going to briefly talk about Star Wars. It's great. We're going to talk about, talk about. We're, we're <laughs> about everything else and then we can talk about Star Wars. Okay. 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 Uh, my, my first plug is a, is a shirt website. Okay. Uh, called the original stitch. Not about 
Leo and Stitch, unfortunately, but still nerdy. Uh, they've just come out with, for, for the Pokemon fans out there, they've just come out with these amazing, they're all um, button-down shirts. You can mm-hmm. do like a you know, short sleeve, long sleeve, collared or whatever, polo. No, just never mind. Um, there's three different types of shirts, but they have uh, custom designs for all original 151 Pokemon. And they look gorgeous. Oh, my God. Every style is so good. And if the price tag wasn't as steep as it was, uh, I would be walking around with 151 new shirts. Do they only do Pokemon? They do, like, normal normal shirts as well. Like, you can get, like, a classic striped, a solid color. Um, But you can get all 151 Pokemon. And then if you want to customize it more, you you can add a pocket square and get a second Pokemon on there. Uh, and they're so cool, and uh, I will definitely be buying a couple of them. It's cool. So for, for the Pokemon fans out there, uh, I don't know how many of you lis- that listen are, are, are as dedicated to the, to the pocket monsters as I am, but uh, they're just really cool to scroll through because they're very, very, very pretty designs. Um, and then other quick plug is uh, we saw Late Night this week. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and it's fantastic. It is really good. We, we have the problem now because uh, I, I won't plug it for a fourth time in a row. <laughs> but the amazing film that we've talked about multiple times, Booksmart, has kind of ruined a lot of comedies for us right now. I wouldn't so Not ruined, far but we're, we're still ruined. in the glow. So, yeah, like I really liked Late Night. Same. If I hadn't seen Booksmart recently, I probably would have loved it. Mm-hmm. And that is not to speak to uh, the low quality of Late Night, because it is a very good movie. It just speaks to how original Booksmart feels. Yes. Um, because like Late Night is a really good version of movie that I have seen before. Whereas Booksmart, although it has a very familiar plot, feels like a movie I haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that the best thing about late night is that it actually has some really valuable things to say about what's going on in the industry, um, in return, in regards to me too, in regards to the push for diversity. Um, you know, it, it kind of actually does take a pretty objective look at that whole situation and, and even just the, the kind of generational barrier that that's being built yeah. With everyone, you know, the Gen X blaming millennials, millennials crying about it. Right. Blaming the boomers, everyone's yeah. getting blamed. Yeah. It, it, it's, it has a very hard stance of like, hey, everyone, just shut the fuck up. Everyone's doing it wrong. Yeah. Just calm down. Yeah. It's, it's got really nice stuff to say. The performances are great. Emma Thompson. Oh, amazing. She's so Love wonderful. Her. John Lithgow is great in that movie. Oh, he's, he is. Oh, he's just a goddamn treasure. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's a, it's a good movie. Yeah, I recommend it. It's a good one to like bring your parents to watch because you'll both enjoy that, it. That seems a little diminishing. Why? I'm saying it, it's, a, it's a comedy that's okay to bring your parents to watch. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a comedy I think everyone will enjoy. But yeah. like, that almost sounds like, oh, it's like take your parents, they'll like it. Oh, no, no, no. I didn't mean it that way. Yeah. I mean, like, I probably wouldn't bring my parents to see Booksmart. I think my mom, I think my mom would enjoy it. My stepdad would hate it. He'd walk out. Oh, okay. Uh, but I think they would both find something about late night to enjoy. Like, it's a movie that is actually not for all ages, but is like, it's very easy to watch from like everyone 16 and over. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very good at what it does. Mm-hmm. Just what it does isn't necessarily super original. Yeah. 
And I think every person, because it's Emma Thompson plays a, a late night host, obviously. And I think every every person is going to have like a different host they kind of connect it to. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like um, you know the older generation is going to feel a lot of like the Carson years coming back, like especially yeah. towards his end, the end of his reign. Yeah. Uh, and then you have that middle group that's the Leno people. Mm-hmm. The, the Leno, end of- Leno and Letterman and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you are you a, a Kimmel? A Fallon or a Colbert? Colbert. Colbert. Easily. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I feel the same way towards the end of Colbert and the end of uh, Jon Stewart. Mm-hmm. I, I, I connect a lot of this movie to, to those emotions. Yeah. Do you remember when those shows ended? Yeah. It, it was so sad. I never really watched them that much. Oh, okay. So. I was, I was it wasn't every night, but in, in high school it was probably three nights a week I'd watch their shows. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, just, it was never quite my jam. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. You're just an empty person. Yeah. We, we know this. Yeah. I have no soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you plugging? So I started watching this show called Fleabag. Yeah. Yeah. So it's from Phoebe Waller-Bridge who, uh, for the nerds out there would remember her as L3 in Solo, the voice of the robot mm-hmm. that had a semi-sexual relationship with Lando. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't? And so it's a show that she created, wrote, and stars in. And I watched the first couple episodes like a month ago, and it didn't quite gel for me. And then I'm like, you know what? Let's revisit this and see how I feel about it. Um, So I've watched now two more. And I think it took a little bit of time for me to get into it because it's very much like a cringe comedy. Oh, yes. Um, And the opening opening of episode one is her walking through her her, uh, her late night hookup. Yes. Yeah, well, exactly. It, she does uh, like direct uh, camera addresses. She breaks the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. It talks to us. And it, yeah, I think like the opening scene is her basically narrating what's going on and which is like the thing you don't do with narration. You don't just say what's happening on screen. And it has, she brings just enough like different perspective on it from what's actually happening to make it kind of work well worthwhile, but also felt a little bit gratuitous to me. But what I will say is the further I got into it, it's a very sincere show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty, I could say heavy, but like, I mean, it, it goes to like some darker, heavier places. Like it, it actually is acknowledging like how fucked up this person is and kind of how messed up everyone around her is as well. Um, while still being, you know, pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's you know it's like pretty bold and daring in terms of the places it goes in terms of what it wants to talk about and the way the stance it takes on things and um, I'm much warmer on it now like I'm I'm excited to, to finish it off and to watch uh, season two and I don't know I don't know if they're gonna do a season three or not it seems to be unclear at this point it I it I I think it could potentially because after season two there was a huge wave of people just like adoring it on social media yeah but it's also a very British thing to be like we're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah we did a thing moving on and and so uh god that must be nice right just be done with it yeah <laughs> could you imagine they did that with zeta <laughs> i mean sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is that fleabag does like six really really good concentrated episodes mm-hmm. um so and they're pretty good. short too aren't they yeah they're short they're they're half hours yeah. so um yeah and then phoebe waller bridge is also doing a pass on the uh the latest james bond film which is having so many production problems and I even get into it here. 
<laughs> but we all hope for it to be good. Um, but no, it's it's a good show. I'd recommend checking it out. So nice. And then what what do we want to say about Star Wars? About Galaxy's Edge? Out of uh, it's so good. I'm I'm very concerned. We'll we'll give an in depth review when it's open to the public because I think our perception will change a little bit. Okay. Because since no one else is, I don't think anyone who listens is going to have a reservation. No, probably not. Yeah. Uh, so we can give them the glowing review of the reservation side only to have their heart broken when they see the public side. Yeah. The advantage of going with the reservation is that they really do limit the number of people that can be in the park at a given time. Mm -hmm. So you can't do everything, but you can do most things and the lines aren't crazy, crazy long. Really. Yeah. I mean, the longest we waited for the ride was 20 minutes. Yeah. Exactly. And that's not going to be the case. Oh, absolutely uh, not. Going forward into the future. So, um, but I will say that I've always been very skeptical about this idea of the um, immersive theme park. I don't think it works great over in like Cars Land at California Adventure, for example, because it's still basically just one ride. Mm -hmm. It's one really well made ride, but the rest of it is just kind of meh. You just kind of like walk up down the street. It's pretty to look at, but it doesn't. It doesn't feel transformative or really engaging. It's just you can appreciate the the spectacle of it all. But there's I mean, it's also kind of hard of when the whole world is cars. Yeah, I mean, it's just like but, I'm not going to go up to the to flows and expect a car to take my order. Well, no, but it's just it's it doesn't feel substantial yes. in any sort of way. And I, I agree. I, I felt the same way about the Hollywood version of Harry Potter Land. I haven't been to the Orlando one, but the Hollywood version at least is super super tiny. Again, it's got one ride that I hated. Mm -hmm. The Harry well, Potter two rides. Castle ride. Well, I didn't even bother the Hippogriff ride. Yeah, it's like. 30 seconds long. Yeah. It's a tiny little roller coaster. And then the rest of that world's like, it's kind of fun to walk around and look at the shops. And yeah, if you're with someone who does like the wand thing, which you and I did together and you actually got chosen, which was exciting. I and did. So you had the wand and you could go around and like do the spells and like, that was kind of fun. But the novelty wears out pretty quickly. You're just like, well, okay, this is kind of it. You can do the whole thing in maybe like an hour. Three hours. I mean, I guess if you, <laughs> if you're waiting in line for two of them, yes, but like yeah, actually yeah. like walk around experience. Well, I was it. saying like, you know, you get a meal, you, we ate at the three broomsticks. Yeah. We got some butter beer. Yeah. Butter beer. If we didn't really watch any of the shows, but they have three shows that rotate throughout the day. Yeah. But it, it's, it never, it, again, it never felt substantial. Whereas you go into galaxy's edge and at a certain point you just forget you're at mm -hmm. Disneyland. Yeah. And that's how the Orlando Harry Potter, when you're walking through Diagon okay. Alley. Yeah. And it, it's the same way they did Harry Potter where the walls, or they did Star Wars, the walls just continue going up. Oh, okay. So you, once you're in that, you literally can't see out of it. Yeah. And that, that helps give you that sort of immersive experience. But there, you know, there's only one ride open right now at Galaxy's Edge. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. um, and beyond that, you can just walk around and go into the shops and everything is meant to look like it's in-universe. There's no branded content there, really. Um, all the staff act as if they're in the Star Wars universe. You can get the food is designed to look a little bit alien. Mm -hmm. um, you can get your blue milk. Oh, it's good. It's good. It's the blue milk's good. Mm -hmm. You get green milk, too. Not as good. Not as good. Uh, but you mix them together. Fantastic. And it's amazing. Best milk. So that's your insider tip right here. Yeah. Get that mixed milk. So, I mean, like, if you're a fan of Star Wars, if you're a fan of Disneyland and parks, theme parks and stuff, if you get a chance, go. Yes, absolutely go. It's spectacular. Yeah. Uh, the, the second ride, if you can't go anytime in the next eight months, the next ride opens by the end of this year. The, the rumor is October, but Disney's never actually hit a deadline in their life. They hit it for this, though. Did they? Uh, I think they pushed it back. The The original deadline, I think, was April. 
Okay. And but pushing it back two months is nothing. Okay, yeah. Because I think they were surprisingly quick about this. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't feel like it was rushed at all. Like, it's all Quick bad. being three years. For what that is? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's still very, very impressive. Mm-hmm. Like, it could be its own theme park. Yeah. 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 It's great. Mm-hmm. We highly recommend it. Yeah. That's all I want to say about it for now. Okay. You're very. You don't want to spoil anything for people? I don't want to spoil anything for people. All right. Again, because I, I want them to get... I, I need to get a public view of it. Okay, well... And to see then, how... Yeah. All we will say is, if you get a chance, go. Yes. It's worth it. And if you do want to see stuff, of course, uh, there's tons of stuff up on both of our Instagrams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I made... I finally started highlights on my Instagram. Okay, yeah. I'm going to do a highlights for mine mm-hmm. as well. Yes, yeah, so I have a Batu one. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm... Well, there will be more coming from me by the time this comes out. Yes. So. Exactly. Going back. Going back for more. But, uh, Marty, we got to go back. We got to go back. But yeah, you'll be able to find it uh, on my Instagram, which is, of course, at Lordifer. Uh, I don't have really have anything on Twitter. But yeah, if you want to see stuff, I'll have uh, story highlights on there for you guys. So Nice. Uh, if you want to see my coverage of Star Wars Land and all of my other random Disney adventures, uh, you can find that at camdexter underscore adventures. Or if you want to see my art, where I'll do something Star Wars related soon, I guess. Uh, you can find that at Cameron.Dexter. And if you want to reach us as a podcast, you have thoughts on uh, Zeta or on the casting, or excuse me, villain rumors for the Batman, or have thoughts about Hanna-Barbera or Pixar, which one's more influential, you can find us at TimTalkPod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Yes. But I think that does it for us. I think we did it. I think we're all done. 11 more. We'll get through it. We're going to do it. We'll power through. Yes. Thanks for listening. Bye.